Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. service this morning we had a language lesson so before you're seated let's hear it hi y'all come on oh you can do better than that hi y'all all right all right makes me feel like home go ahead you may be seated I want to thank our staff for coming out tonight I appreciate you being here and believe that this this message will help you in your assignment for this the meeting that's coming in September can I see the hands of those that weren't with us this morning? Get a feel a little bit of how many were. Oh, I'm glad you came tonight. But it does mean we will review. So, if you would please then, we'll open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. We may look up a few more verses, but mostly I'll be reading them for you. Hebrews 10. Lord, we thank you again that we have the, the most austere pre, uh, privilege of coming before the Word of God to look into it and to see and to discover, to find and uncover your will for us tonight. And as you show us your will tonight in this meeting, in this message, that Lord, it lights our path for the days to come that it lights the path of your plan for Australia and all this part of the world, for these are the most precious of days, the end days, the last days, the last moments of this age, when the greatest harvest ever, ever, ever seen, a greater harvest in this hour than all the harvests of all the millennia before. This is the day and the hour for the greatest of all greats, for men to come to the knowledge of Jesus and that he is the mediator between God and man and that he wins and he woos and he draws them to him. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, sir, that as we hear this message tonight, your, your will and your plan for each of us in this hour it's rooted and strengthened, it's watered, it grows, it blossoms, it blooms, and it's ignited in us in ways we never thought possible. I pray, Lord, that in each and every one of us, that somehow the things that we hear tonight, that they speak and they move us, they equip us, anoint us, and charge us, For all the days between now and the great day when the trumpet will blow and there'll be a great shout and we shall rise to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, to be ever mindful. And may that moment overshadow them all. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So in Hebrews 10, 21, we read this morning, since we have such a great and wonderful and noble priest who rules over the house of God. Since then, let us consider verse 24 and give attention to watching over one another and studying how we may stir up to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. How? Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, strong word, warning, urging, encouraging one another. So this is who I am today to you. I'm here to warn, urge, and encourage you to not forsake or neglect the assembling of yourselves together and all the more faithfully as we see the day approaching. These are strong words coming from one of the most, one of the highest levels of books in the New Testament, the, the words to the Hebrews, the most learned, the most well-developed in scripture. And he says to them, I'm warning you, I'm urging you, I'm encouraging you, pay attention to this. Don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together, most especially as you see the day approaching. So as I said this morning, I was asking myself and asking the Lord, well, why? What's the big deal about a meeting? I'm glad about meetings. You know, we have a ministry of meetings. We go to meetings. But what is it about a meeting? I want to know. I'll do it, Lord, because you said so, but I want to know. It helps me to have expectation. What can I get out of the meeting? Why am I coming? Why am I there? And this was the direction that he gave me. And he began to show me through the book of Acts. In fact, even more than just the, the, the concept of meetings, as I started to read through the book, that entire time of reading the book of Acts, he said, write down and take note of everything that you see happening in the book of Acts and then expect it. He said, you're not expectant. Everything you see happen. And he really opened my eyes to details and things that I had just read over. And because if you read right past them, you don't expect them. You miss it. So I began to write those things down, and I was surprised, and it really changed my thinking forever. So here we are, and we'll summarize. We'll recap some things. But if you want to hear greater detail, then you need to get this morning's message. So as soon as Jesus was raised from the dead, they saw him off and on for a period of about 10 days. And then when he appeared to them first after his resurrection, actually on that first day, where were they? They were in a room and they were hiding. They were so scared and so afraid after what they had seen. The one that they thought would, would, would turn things around and bring the the promised kingdom with the, of the Messiah, and he's crucified, and now they say he's raised from the dead, but we haven't seen him, and now they're going to come for us. And Jesus appears to them and lets them see the holes in his hands, the holes in his side, 
encourages them and he breathes on them and says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened right there? That was the beginning. Everything necessary for redemption had happened right there. And they were born again, just like God breathed on Adam in the garden. Jesus breathed on them with his words, and Adam became a living, speaking spirit, and so did they. They became living, born-again spirits, but it didn't seem that too much changed. And there's not a lot written about that time, those 10 days, but we know that they saw Jesus, but not much, and there were about 500 people that he appeared to over these 10 days. But he did gather them together, and what did he say to them before he was raised from the dead? He told them a few things. He said, I'm going to remind you of these, these things. Remember this, that in my name you will lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. In my name you'll cast out devils. In my name you'll speak with other tongues. With other what? With other tongues. Really, other tongues. What do you suppose? I don't know. I don't know. Other tongues. He said other tongues. I know, but I don't know what it means. And there will be a measure of protection on you that will be unprecedented at any other time in history. And you'll go in my name. And now I am commissioning you. Go to Jerusalem. And all of you that were here this, Sunday, this morning, what did he say? And have a meeting. Go have a meeting. Yes, sir, boss. And they're standing there still in awe of what does he mean? What does he mean? What does he mean? And he disappears in front of their eyes. <laughs> what are we going to do, Peter? <laughs> Go to Jerusalem and have a meeting. <laughs> so they head off to Jerusalem, and they set out to heaven. It's an open-ended meeting. We don't know how long this is going to take. Don't know what to expect. But Jesus said to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Spirit. And so that's what they did. They deliberately went, mounted the stairs to the upper room. And while they're up there, we read from the Scripture, several things happened. We know that they spent time in prayer. We know that they were studying the Scripture. And as I said this morning, if you haven't seen a Jewish study room, you have not lived. It's so interesting. They're all gathered around tables and they're, the noise, the volume... Imagine that. There are 10 days now of this, this, this debating and arguing and discussing and yelling and looking through scriptures and hunting and searching and wondering. All this is going on and then Peter has the realization, you know, we need to replace Judas. What are we going to do? I, it seems like it should be somebody that's been with us from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that narrows it down to these two guys right here. How are we going to figure out which one is right? Well, I don't know. I don't, we just, you know, never thought about asking God, but why don't we cast lots about that? And so they did pick who it was going to be. And this was the status of the church at the time. But after 10 days of this, in this great meeting, something marvelous and outstanding happened. The Holy Spirit moved into the earth in the fullness of His ministry. Forevermore to be here and to minister to the saints, and so they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began, as Jesus had said, to speak with other tongues. And the fire fell 
The power of God was there. They were shaken, moved out into the street. The leaders from all over the Jewish world were there and heard this phenomenal sound, came to look. Began, Peter preached to them with great boldness. Okay, not the same guy just a few days before. Preached with great boldness. And they said, what do we do? He said, repent and be baptized. And there were Jewish baptismals all around. And that day, 3,000 people were baptized in the name of Jesus. What a meeting. So what they did day after day, going up the stairs, going to have the meeting, all of a sudden it pays off and the power of the Spirit of God moves. 3,000 people come to the Lord. We know from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says that they steadfastly persevered and devoted themselves to the instruction and partnering with the apostles. You know, going to meetings isn't easy. Going to meetings is challenging. But I have watched people over the years, my family included, myself included. We packed up our children. My kids were babies. We, we loaded up the pack and play. We loaded up whatever it took. And if we had to go after work, then we carted our peanut butter sandwiches in the car and drove. We did whatever we had to do to get to the meeting. Put our children on the floor. Put our children on the pallet, and they hear way more than you think they do. I remember my daughter playing colors, coloring on the floor at my feet in a Brother Hagen meeting. So young, so small, very small. And yet when the meeting was over and, or about to be over, the preaching was over, and Brother Hagen was having a prayer line, she jumped to her feet and said, I have to get to that man. She always wanted to get to the preacher. I have to know. She was six years old. We were backstage at a convention. Oral Roberts was back there. And uh, Aubrey, she was, she was a, she could break away and just, she would be gone. Just didn't know where she was. All of a sudden, she's disappeared. Where's Aubrey? And I look over, and she had walked up to Oral Roberts. Now, he's six-something feet high. He's so tall. And she is this little bitty six-year-old. And she's looking up at him, and she started pulling on his coat. And he looks way down at her, and she said, I've waited all my life to meet you. <laughs> Lester Summerall was in the back room at, a, at another church, and we were there, and we got ready to go, and Lester was in the back room, and she said, I have to meet that man. So my husband went and knocked on the door and asked if it would be possible for Dr. Summerall to meet our daughter. So she walked in. He stood to his feet. He took her hand. He kissed her hand and laid his hands on her. And within just a few days, he had gone to heaven. What a treasure. But that doesn't happen when you're at home watching if you're watching online, I mean, praise God, watch online where you can and when you can't get there. But for a lot of people, I've got this, I've got that. They kind of put it this way in the Gospels, got married, you know, bought a cow. I don't know if that cow's going to get in your way. but <laughs> Steadfastly, they persevered and they devoted themselves to instruction and partnership with the apostles and to prayer. The whole explosion in Acts chapter 2 was an explosion as a result of prayer 
which opened the fountain gates for unexpected and unprecedented levels of more prayer. What is prayer? It's not tedious responsibility. It's working with God. Not just talking to God, even when we are just talking to Him. We're working with Him. For even in our conversations, there's an exchange. Nothing in God. No thought of God. No question lifted to God is ever wasted. But He works it into the fabric of our lives works his will and his ways into our steps. Now verse 46 of chapter 2 says, Day after day they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose and also in the homes. So they're coming together in big groups. They're coming together in small groups. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, both, there was a supernatural financial breakthrough that occurred. And it continued and continued until people were selling and laying the money at the feet of the apostles. Caused a financial, such an, a financial inversion there. Among, these were not necessarily very prosperous people some perhaps were not all were for sure but what happened was somehow God moved in there and created such a financial breakthrough that the money that began to flow in this early, these early days of the church rose to such an extent that it funded them when the persecution arose and they had to disperse all throughout Israel and, and into foreign lands the money was there to do it we're ready. Mission money. And nobody was lacking. We talked more about that this morning. In Acts chapter 3, we see that John and Peter and the crippled man, you remember, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And it was a Holy Ghost advertised meeting. He stood up, began to walk. The crowd began to run together. And Peter said, aha, meeting time. And he began to preach in front of them, and he preached, and he preached, and the high priest heard about it, brought out temple security, arrested them, hauled them off, and threatened them, and said, don't you dare preach in that name anymore. But while he was threatening Peter and John and the crippled man, they're still having a meeting outside, and 2,000 people more come to the Lord. Hallelujah. So then, what happened? Well... Out of my place, I'll tell you. <clears throat> so there was prayer. And they, they, they went back to their company. We love being in our company. You know, there are so many things these days you could listen to. You can listen to every kind of preaching. And a lot of it may be very good preaching. But I have learned that to intensify what God puts in me, I need to remain focused and stay as focused as I can under the spout where the grace for me is coming out. So I'm not out listening to everybody I could be listening to. I predominantly listen to people that I know are in my company. Now, I gain from other people. The Lord leads me here, and I get to enjoy it. But I draw the grace for my life under that, that 
that flow that comes through the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that belong to my company because they are fueling the grace that God has for me, in me, to work through me. It's focus. Hallelujah. No charge for that. So they began to pray as they came back after being arrested and declare the word to one another. And what did they do? They asked for more boldness. More boldness. They were not asking for political correctness. They were not asking to, to how we can be, uh, and I don't mean to put anybody else down about this, but you know they weren't looking to just be seeker friendly. They're looking how to be in the face of the devil and anybody else and just with the boldness of the Holy Ghost. Now, I think you ought to be friendly to everybody. So I'm not anti-seeker friendly. But in some places, that means water things down to such a point you don't even know what you're getting anymore. Some places. I don't think this is one of those places. Do I, am, I, do I, am I right? I thought so. We see that corruption... Over the finances rose up with Ananias and Sapphira and they lied to the Holy Ghost in a meeting while people were bringing money and laying it at the apostles' feet in a meeting. And when they did, Ananias fell down and four hours later, Sapphira fell down and dead and they had to carry them out. But the fear of the Lord rose up at such levels and there was an awe and the Bible says not only now were there miracles and signs and wonders but they became startling miracles startling things began to happen and it reverberated such around that wherever Peter and the apostles were if you could just get close enough to them as they walked to the meeting you could be healed and we know that they were continuing to go to meetings because the scripture tells us there in Acts chapter 5, it says that they continued and by common consent, they all met together at the temple in the covered porch called Solomon's. So they were all determined. They prayed for boldness. Well, do you think we should not do this at the temple anymore? I mean, they just got arrested just, just a few verses before. Let's go to the temple. Let's go to the porch. Let's go out front and let's have meetings. And so startling signs and wonders happened. So up until now, they had been giving testimony to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. That's a quote from the scripture. But again, they were jailed in Acts chapter 5. But the angel opened the prison door, and what did he do? He gave them specific instruction and said, Now go back to the temple. Go back to that same place where they just arrested you. Go back there, and now change your message, new message. No longer just give testimony to the crucifixion and resurrection, but begin to declare this life in Christ. Begin to declare this life. Preach the doctrine, the Amplified Bible says. Give doctrine. Put, begin to put some meat on the bones. Begin to tell people how to live. Begin to tell them what this faith, this message, this, this, this message of Jesus, where it came from and what it means. And give them some chapter. Give them some verse. And so they stepped out to do that. 
Now, why are we covering these things? Why are we going over these things? Well, the word paints a picture in our hearts and in our minds as we talk about these. And from this point even further in tonight, I want you to begin to become aware, more aware than ever of, of meetings and what happens in them. And remember that many of these things were in homes. It could be a, a meeting with you and your children. Two or more, Jesus said, and the I am is in the midst. Oh, the things that we've seen happen as we gathered up on our bed to pray with our children. My daughter was supposed to go to a, on a missions trip to Spain. And there was a terrorist attack at this train station. You may remember that. Blew the train station up. And they were to come through that train station just two days later. And so the whole school, the high school, was very concerned. And should we go? Everybody's a flutter. We sat up together and said, we're going to pray in the Holy Ghost and find out what we're supposed to do. And so we sat and we began to pray. And we prayed in tongues until there was an interpretation of tongues. And the Lord spoke and told her to go. And she delivered it. Came through her. And she spoke knew what she was supposed to do, what she was supposed to do when she got there. So the next morning we called the principal and said, we're all in. He said, well, if you're in, then we're going. Because they, they knew. And so we provided everyone on the trip with a card with the Psalm 91 on it, and they were good to go. And what an adventure in God they had. So you can have meetings in your home, but to have another level of expectation when you come together in your church when you come together any place among believers to have an expectation that the I am is in the midst. So in Acts chapter 6, we see something different begin to happen. One of the things we talked about this morning was this tremendous spirit of unity that was taking place. One heart, one mind, one mouth. They're praying in unison. There's this agreement, this spirit of unity that's going on, but... Uh, Oh, something happens. Acts chapter 6, the Hellenists or the Greek-speaking Jews. And then the Hebrew-speaking Jews, they're fussing. They're fussing with each other. They're complaining and they're griping. Does that sound familiar? Think back about the children of Israel around Moses. What were they doing? Always complaining and usually over food. And so these are complaining because... Their widows weren't getting as much food as the other widows were. And wah, 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 wah. And so what happens? So what did Peter do? I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but he called a meeting. He did. Acts chapter 6, it says, um, I'll find it. Anyway, it does say it. It says he called the assembled them together. And he pulled it, sir. Verse 2. Oh, yeah, right there. The 12 apostles convened the multitude. So this wasn't a small council. They brought the multitude. You know, when the Bible says multitude, it means a multitude. It's a lot of people. They pulled them all together. And he said, now... We see that we're not supposed to give up the preaching of the word. 
So we want you to choose seven men of good report that are wise and full of the Holy Spirit. And they're going to tend to this and they're going to take care of this. And we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word only. What's this? In a meeting, suddenly, there is the ministry of helps is set apart and identified. And then also, the ministry is elevated to another station of importance. Okay, only, they were only used to showing importance to the Jewish rabbi or the Jewish priest. And now these are lay people, and he's saying, you've got to show value and importance to them. Peter's a fisherman. John's a fisherman. Matthew's a, a tax collector in their eyes, but he is the anointing is being recognized. So now we have something unfolding in the church that had never been seen quite before. And here's the greatest miracle, maybe, of the whole Bible. And it says, and it pleased everyone. Everybody, nobody disagreed. So in a meeting, these ministry gifts are beginning to unfold. Do you suppose that still happened in a meeting today? That still happened today when maybe you know, maybe you know what God wants you to do, but maybe you don't. And maybe you know what God wants you to do, and you think you know everything about it you need to know, but you get in a meeting. Even in ministry of helps, and the ministry of helps is not just for helps in the in the, the church, but it's helping, it's, it's helping the plan of God. Starting to see and get God's plan and vision for you and for your church, your community. And so the strife and the division was stopped. So the role of the fivefold, what is the role of the fivefold? The Bible tells us, Ephesians 4.12, it's the perfecting and equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry until we all attain oneness in the faith, a full working knowledge of the Son, and are as mature and perfect in the anointing as He is. Now, you know, I, I, I like books. Books are good. Learning from books. Praise God. But the fullness and equipping of the saints doesn't happen just when you sit at home and read a book. Something happens when we come together and there's an impartation and a quickening. You, you don't even get it just from the scripture. But when you come together, there's a quickening of the scripture. It speaks and light comes. And what's in you gets off on somebody else and what's in them gets off on you. Hallelujah. So we see this happen here in the book of Acts. Philip. Philip was one of the seven that they chose that day. One of the seven. And they were given the, the, the label, the identity as deacons. Spiritual leaders. But they were workers. And they gave leadership and direction. He was a deacon. But in Acts chapter 8... He's sent out, and he goes to Samaria. Now, let's think, who are, what is Samaria? You know, in these days, we think about Samaria, and it's just part of Israel, and it's a Bible word, and we've seen it in the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament. What about Samaria? Well, do you remember when Jesus was at the, the, with the woman at the well? And the disciples were very surprised that he would even 
speak to her. And Jesus addressed her, and he talked to her, and he said, You Samaritans, there was a rift and a division between the Samaritans and the Jews. It was a racial division. division. It was a cultural division. It was a religious division. A huge gap. And most of the other Jews would have nothing to do with the Samaritans. That's why Jesus talked about the good Samaritan was outshining the priest. In that story, well, that, that's, that's like saying the dog was better than they were. And so Philip goes into Samaria. And what comes on Philip while he's there? He's just Philip the deacon. Just a deacon. But the anointing came on him as he had meetings in Samaria. And great crowds of people came. And foul spirits came out of the people. And they came to know the Lord. And he preached Jesus to them. Now later on in the book of Acts, we find out they, laid, they decided a name for him. Philip the evangelist. But that wasn't when the anointing came on him. The anointing came on him in those meetings. And the anointing of the evangelist emerged for other people to see. Wonder what that what's that seems different. In fact, he's preaching and all of a sudden he's preaching something but it's not the complete message. So they had to send somebody else down there to find out what was going on. And so they're hearing about Jesus, but they don't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? He's an evangelist. He's going to come in and preach Jesus, get on, cast out devils. He was the Reinhardt Bunky of the day. <laughs> Casting out devils, throwing crutches across the room. Praise God for the miracles and move on evangelist so these ministry callings are unfolding then after the meeting that Cornelius had we talked some about that this morning and Cornelius had the meeting well he called for Peter Peter came and Cornelius had it set up and the house was packed out he was a very wealthy man very wealthy man so he had a large home and there were a lot of people there and we know what happened the, the the spiritual door opened for the Gentiles and they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly it was okay for Gentiles to be saved. Peter goes back to Jerusalem and meets with the council there. They all agree, we cannot argue with this. Then this message is for the Gentiles as well. Word begins to spread and so people that had, had left because of the persecution that was arising they heard that it was okay to preach to the Gentiles. They began to backtrack and they went and went back to Antioch and began to preach to the Gentiles having meetings. Now, they just were going back to where they had been and they had this meeting in Antioch. Now, this was by people that were uh, not big names. Not big name evangelists. They're just sharing the gospel wherever they go. But word gets back to Jerusalem. Something's going on down there. So they send Barnabas. 
Now, how did Barnabas get back on the scene? He got caught up in that financial move of God that broke, broke out in Jerusalem early on, nearly 10 years before. Got so caught up in it that he's one of the ones that helped cause that great breakthrough, brought money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now we can see even 10 years later, he's still hooked and engaged. Barnabas, go down there and see what's going on. He comes in and he's meeting people and he's seeing and they're gathering. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. So he sees what they need. What does he do? He goes and he finds Paul. Saul. He found him. Found him in Tarsus. Brings him back to Antioch. And what do they do? In Antioch, this is marvelous. Who can guess what they did? This meeting that they had lasted for a year. One year, this meeting in Antioch. Now, you know, when you start meetings like that, and they, they're just, they just going back. They don't know. But God's unfolding his plan. God's unfolding. He's made, he, they, they don't know. They're just doing what comes to them that they should do. So Barnabas brings Paul, and he, it says he gives them instruction. And large crowds are coming. He is teaching them. Now, it's in Antioch, the Bible says, where they were first called Christians or noted to be identified as anointed ones like the Christ. There's no mention of signs and wonders. There's no mention of miracles or Paul's shadow. Or there's no mention of that. But preaching teaching and what happened in the midst of this this year of instruction every day every day every day they're gathering the spirituality of the area and that church grew and it it increased and increased and increased and it's getting higher and higher to such a degree that prophets the bible says came from jerusalem now, Jerusalem, up until then, was the central center of the church, as well as the Judaism, center for Judaism. But the prophets who were in Jerusalem start coming down to Antioch. Something's drawing them. Before then, send Barnabas. Send the deacon. Send the guys that have already been out of town. But we have something going in this meeting. The prophets begin to come. And there is a gathering of prophets, great prophets. And we hear the mention of Agabus, which we see his name again. But he comes and he has a prophecy. Now, this is the first one that's mentioned in the New Testament, apart from the apostles that prophesied, and he prophesied about a worldwide famine. There was such conviction in it that they determined that they would support the church in Judea. Judea is not a town. It's a region. This church was so prosperous, so financially prosperous, that even though a famine was coming in the whole world, that included them, that included where they were, they will take it on, and they began right then to send money back into Judea 
by the hands of Barnabas and Paul. What a time in that meeting. Now in chapter 12 of Acts, the persecution intensifies and Peter is again arrested, but this time Herod sentences him to die. And he is awaiting execution. Clearly peaceful, he slept the night before his execution was to occur. And the angel again, this angel's busy, angel came in and he wakes Peter up and he takes him. Peter thinks he's having a vision, but he wakes him up takes him out of the prison, opens the gate to the city, and leads him out. And what does Peter do? He goes immediately to the meeting. Went straight to that prayer meeting. Prayer meeting was at Mary's house. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but John Mark's mother, Mary. And Rhoda answered the door. And there was Peter. Shook her up so much that she didn't let him in. She thought it was his, his angel. They couldn't believe it was Peter. You know, we really should have more faith in our prayers being answered than that. <laughs> so Peter goes to this prayer meeting, and you might want to remember that because there's something else I want to talk to you about as we go. And yet Antioch was thriving. Prayer was happening there in that meeting. You see in these meetings, there, the meetings would just flow with the Spirit. You didn't get a program. You didn't get an agenda. But rather when you got there, maybe, maybe it's prayer. Maybe we pray a while and then there's teaching and then there's instruction. They would follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Maybe for the morning, for the afternoon, for the day, for the week, for the year. So this time in Acts 12, they're gathered together and something significant happens. In the church assembly at Antioch, there were prophets, still there, and teachers became a center. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manan, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting in this meeting, the Holy Spirit said, separate now from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Wait a minute. They've already been, they're already prophets, already teachers, already out, already, already going about. Doesn't the Lord know they're already in the ministry? Ah, and this Antioch level of spiritual spirituality and growth and maturity that's happened over this time of focus and teaching and preaching and prayer and ministry. There's something higher. You know, you never come to the end. You never get to the place to where you've exhausted all that God can do in you. You never come to the place where God's exhausted and say, oh, man, do with him he's he got to that place a lot faster I, I i don't know 
Jesus, you got a plan? No, I'm as surprised as you are. I don't, I don't know. Lifting them and separate them now to me. Separate them to me for the work that I have. And so they laid hands on them and they were sent out, verse 4 says, by the Holy Spirit. And it tells where they went and how they preached the word of God and the true journeys of Barnabas and Paul took a turn. And they're no longer just prophets and teachers alone, but they were elevated by the addition of the apostles anointing and equipping. We could go on, and I have skipped so much in terms of looking at meetings and finding them. You see small ones and little ones, and as Paul goes on in Acts, and then as you read in even in Corinthians and in some of the other books, and you, you see these gatherings, little ones and big ones, and you understand, you start to see, look what happened in that meeting. Look what happened in that meeting. <gasps> that happened because they were in a meeting. But there are a few points that I want to make to you about a few things that happened in these meetings that we haven't pointed out. The first one is in Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 9, there was a man named Simeon who had practiced magic arts in the city to the utter amazement of the Samaritan nation, claiming that he himself was an extraordinary and distinguished person. They all paid earnest attention to him. This guy is famous nationwide in Samaria. And this is, of course, where Philip was. This, <clears throat> they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is an exhibition of the power of God. And they were attentive, and they made much of him, because for a long time he had amazed and bewildered and dazzled them with his skill in the magic arts. But when they believed the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ as Philip preached it, they were baptized, both men and women, and even Simon himself believed and was baptized and devoted himself constantly to Philip and seeing signs and miracles of great power he was utterly amazed. We were praying one day in prayer group and began to pray. And all of a sudden, this phrase came up in me, and, and I, I, it surprised me, but I knew immediately what it was. And he said, pray for iconic witnesses. Iconic witnesses. So here's someone that is so curious and hears about it, Something going on in Philip's meetings because we, we'd already seen where it says there were foul spirits coming out. It was very dramatic. They came out screaming and shouting with a loud voice. The people with the palsy and the crippled were restored to health. Great things happening. And Simon comes and he winds up getting saved along with the rest of them. 
Now here's somebody that the, the nation, the whole area of Samaria knows about him. He's a great leader. Not that he's a mag magical art, so he's, he's entertaining. But they thought that he held great power over them. But he came to the Lord. Tell me where he came to the Lord. Can I hear it, please? An iconic witness. Now in chapter 13, in verse 6, we see another man, very similar. And this was in the ministry of Paul. And they passed through the entire island of Cyprus. And they came upon a Jewish wizard, a false prophet named Barjesus. He was closely associated with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent and sensible man of sound understanding. He summoned to him Barnabas and Saul, and he sought to hear the word of God concerning the kingdom of God. But Elamus, the wise man, is the translation of his name, was opposed to them, seeking to keep the proconsul from accepting the faith. But Saul, who's called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked steadily at Elamus and said, You master in every form of deception and recklessness, you son of the devil, you enemy of everything that's upright and good, will you never stop perverting and making crooked the, the paths of the Lord, plotting against his purposes? And behold, the hand of the Lord is on you, and you'll be blind so that you'll be unable to see for the, the sun for a time. And instantly there fell upon him a mist and a darkness and he groped about seeking somebody to lead him by the hand. And then the proconsul or the governor believed when he saw what had occurred for he was astonished and touched at the teaching. The teaching, he was touched at the teaching Concerning the Lord. Another great, iconic witness. And he had come to hear the word. But this man who was his assistant. Trying to stop him. Trying to keep him from hearing Paul. An anointing came on Paul to deal with it. And it won him to the Lord. A demonstration of power. In that meeting. And the governor came to the Lord. And many things changed. Who knows how many people's eyes were opened and hearts were touched to see this great leader come to the Lord. So that's an important note to be believing for and expecting as a result of meetings. These days, you know, they may not come to a meeting, but they watch and they hear. You know, everyone, you see those people and they seem... They seem like they aren't even real people, but they are. And they need prayer, whether it's politicians, entertainers, or masters of the occult. It makes no difference. They all need Jesus. And we have the expectation that every time we get together, there's something said, something done that reaches out to touch people. And maybe it's not a nationwide person. Maybe it's only someone who's significant in their school, significant in their office staff, significant in their, their, their card club. But somewhere, they're a leader and they touch other people. 
Another point, and this is something to us to be aware of, is we, why, why am I here? Why am I telling you these things? Because I'm here to help equip you. And you can be sure we are praying about this meeting in Australia and all the other meetings that we go to and lead. But we're not coming to Australia in September because we need another meeting. We're not coming to Australia because we need something to do. I'm not here today because I was looking for something to do. But because the Lord sent us and is sending us, why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Until you're supposed to work the ministry until you are all in the oneness of faith and reaching the maturity, working knowledge of the Son of God and reaching the same maturity and understanding of the anointing that He has. And that's what we come for. So if I, this next piece that I want to mention to you is something that you must be aware of, not only for our meeting in September, but for every meeting that you have, small or large, and that's demonic activity. Persecution. We saw the persecution already. We talked about it this morning. We talked about it tonight. We see it. We see God's delivering him, but that persecution is so real. And it happened. It, persecution came from religious sectors. It came from political sectors. It came from businessmen. It came from areas where their business was affected. Money, 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 power, money, power, jealousy. Never mind the miracles. Never mind that the crippled man walks and the blind man sees. Never mind those things. Jealousy rages. And the Bible says that they, the devil stirred people up. And Paul called it the thorn in the flesh. Everywhere he went, there were people following him to stir up. Stir up the Jews. Stir up, stir up, provoke it. Now I want to show you these two that we, Elamus, that we just talked about. We see this with Elamus. There was judgment that came and a great victory. Praise the Lord. And Paul dealt with that. But in a different situation, he was traveling, much traveling, came to hitting closed door after closed door and the walls were up He's so frustrated and he's trying to get into Asia and he can't get in and suddenly he has a vision. And in this vision, he sees a man and the man says, come help us, come help us, come here, come help us. And it's a Macedonian man and we've learned to call that the Macedonian call. And so he, he steps out towards that and he tells us all the different places that he goes there in Acts chapter 16. And he goes, takes several stops by ship and traveling, and he comes to Philippi, which was the chief city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And it says, we stayed there for quite some days, just looking around. And then on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city's gate to the bank of the river, 
where there was supposed to be a place of prayer. So what are they looking for? What are they looking for? They're catching on. And they found the prayer meeting. And they began to speak to the women who had assembled there. So he saw a man in the vision, but it turned out to be a woman. A whole group of them, in fact. <laughs> Praise God for the women. And so they began to preach to these women. And Lydia, she gives her heart to the Lord. And so they're going back. They've got, okay, hey, we've got it. We're going to start having meetings out here by the river and we're just going to teach these women and with an expectation that this thing is going to grow just like we've seen it time and time again out by the riverbank and there they come there it says then they were on their way to the place of prayer we were met by a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination and she brought her owners much gain by her fortune telling money 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 she kept following Paul and the rest of us shouting loudly, These men are the servants of the Most High God. They announced to you the way of salvation. People say, Well, what? Hey, she was saying a good thing. Well, who wants the devil to advertise for them? Creepy, horrible feeling, loud, in their face, chasing them around and dancing around them. She's crazy. She's demon-possessed. She did this for many days, day after day. They're on their way to the meeting, on their way to the meeting, and this little gal is in their face and in their face. And then Paul, being sorely annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out in that very moment. But now... When Elamus, and the Bible says that judgment of God came on him, he became blind, the governor was saved. Woohoo, praise the Lord, big time. But this little gal, little slave girl, got a fortune telling demon in her. And if any of you are messing with that, stop it. Did you hear? So this, she's got a demon driving her. She's just, she's, just a, she's just a little slave girl dancing around like a crazy person, screaming in their face. And what happens, it made her owners mad because she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. Came and got them, drugged them off, beat them illegally, threw them in jail. And this is where, now it's Paul and Silas, and this is where they are in the cell, in the jail, at midnight, feet in stocks, and begin to sing and worship the Lord. Praise God for that. But why do we have Elamus in the moment dealt with, and there's a great victory, and here, this little gal's dancing around, causing all this trouble, but she just, you know, you would think that this, little demon that's in this little this little girl would be nothing for the apostle and yet he put up with it for days and when he dealt with it 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 caused him so much trouble now it worked out in the end the jailer gets saved his family gets saved but he gets run out of town what's the difference 
They had just come out of Antioch, out of that great meeting. And those prophets had laid hands on them, separated them unto the work. And the first place they go, they run into that situation with Felix. Yet over here in Philippi, they've gone and they haven't been in a meeting. And they're tired and they've hit wall after wall after wall, but determined, determined. They kept pressing anyway and pressing. And they find this little group of women. They're going to the prayer meeting. It doesn't give us any indication other than Lydia that much was happening. And this little woman, it says, Paul was sorely annoyed and worn out. Now, he had authority to take care of that demon, and he did. But when he spoke to Elamus, the scripture says, and Paul, being full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit, said to him. We see a difference here. God worked it out, but not after they were beat, till after they were beat and held in stocks and run out of town. What can we see from this? Well, a few things. First of all, what I've learned, we've learned in our family, when we hit the hard spot, find a meeting. Find a meeting. Get in a meeting. Go find a meeting somewhere, somehow, and if I can't find one somewhere, find the DVDs of one and put them in and watch it again. Get in a meeting. When my heart was broken, get in a meeting. I needed deliverance. Get in a meeting. Death in the family. Get in the meeting. Let the word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit do something to change and heal and restore. Or just, at the, just after working hard and long and, and pressing. And I've watched this in my dad all these 50 plus years. He schedules being in a meeting at least twice a year, not his own, but to be somewhere where he won't do anything else but sit in that meeting. He didn't miss Brother Hagin's meetings. Why? He said, I'd come dragging in there, dragging my tail feathers behind me, worn out, tired, irritable, cranky. And we'd all said, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> come into a meeting and leave full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. Come in, get wisdom and counsel and understanding. I don't know how many times. There was one man. This one man, he was, um, he was, I'm trying to remember what it was he was working. He was some sort of electrical situation, uh, an engineer, and they were, couldn't find a way to conduct power. All the transformers they had were blowing up. But he was a Christian man, and he said, I'm just, I'm just going to get in church. And he went in church and sat there and just asking God to give him wisdom. And what came to him was go to Israel. Well, what kind of answer is that? Go to Israel. Go to Israel. Oh, 
So he went and told his boss, I, I just got to get away from this. I'm going to take a vacation and I'm going to Israel. So he gets to Israel and on tour there, they begin, goes to the place where Jesus and, the, uh, and Cana and they turned, he turned the water into wine and he said, whoa, wait a minute. That must have been some kind of power to turn water into wine. I need to see what those pots were made out of. Found out what the pots were made out of. Figured it out what was in that that was such a conductor and, a, and a, able to handle the electricity and brought that idea back and it answered the electrical need, but he would have never gotten it if he hadn't gone to church. Well, it looked like he needed to go work, but he went to church. How many times answers have come in a meeting? Fed the spiritual spirituality. Now, the other side of that for you to know is so you can pray. Being in prayer. Prayer for your pastors. Prayer for your leaders. If you have a small group, pray for your small group leader. If you have Sunday school, pray for your Sunday school teacher. Prayer. Lifting them up. Pray, creating an atmosphere so that when they step into the pulpit, they're not worn out and tired. And see to it that they're not. Spiritual authority is different when you come in refreshed and strong. And when you come at the end of having fought long battles, preached long sermons, and meetings that go years at a time. The devil hates meetings. And he hates for you to go to them. He hates for you to be a part of them. One other last thing about prayer. You remember when Peter was in jail and he was sentenced to die and the angel came and got him and he went to Mary's house and they were in prayer. That's the beginning of chapter 12. By the end of chapter 12, Herod was dead. Prayer. Prayer meetings. Times of prayer, watching over the people of God, watching over the man of God. James was executed. We can't let that happen again. Taking responsibility and not just coming to church and plopping in the chair and say, see what you got for me this week. What you do about the service on Sunday may have more effect on what happens than what the pastor does. David, would you come? So I wanted us to take some time to pray. Won't take too much longer. But as you're led by the Spirit in praying over these meetings, And recognizing the importance. Brother Copeland, he's a prophet. Not something that we say in order to brag or wear some label. And, he, you know, we don't, he doesn't sign his leather, letters, Prophet Copeland. It's not about that. 
But I'm telling you that so that you can have a level of expectation so that when he comes, as he's teaching and preaching and most likely some prophesying, that it'll speak into this nation. It will equip the saints. It will equip the ministry. It will, it will empower the work of angels. And it will speak into this nation and change things that need to be changed, alter what needs to be altered, fuel the fires and fan the fires of revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because this is the last hours of the last days. And you matter that meeting matters and every meeting between now and then and every meeting after it all matters and it matters to him it matters to the kingdom it matters to you and the bible says if you receive a prophet just because he is a prophet and you bring a, a cup of water to him. You make contact, you partner, you hook up with this calling, this anointing. What happens? The reward. The reward, the result of having a, what, the, what about the, the woman in the scripture and her son died. She had honored the prophet. She built him a room. She built him a place to stay. And so he prophesied over her, and she became pregnant. And the son died, but the reward was that her son was raised from the dead and lived. The reward, the reward of honor, honoring the gift. Well, I'll go down there on one day. That mindset, well, that's about what you get out of it. So I'm not, I don't say anything like this to condemn anybody. I, I don't know you, and I, it's not in your business. Don't mean to be. But I put that out for you, for you to take to the Lord, and you ask him, and you let him speak to you. But at the very least, you can get it in your heart and be in agreement and set your faith for September. And as I said, everything that happens to work towards that day and every Sunday and every meeting that you have and everywhere you can, to, what did he say? Don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together. Don't forsake it. I'm urging you. I'm warning you. Especially as we see the day approach. Can we just take a few minutes? Do you, are you good? Can you, are you tough enough to take a few more minutes as we pray? Hallelujah. Patsy, can you come up and just begin to just, let's just take a few minutes. We won't take too long. Let's a few minutes here and just ask the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.